Hey there, welcome back. This is Victoria and Ryan. Thanks for joining us for another needed conversation. As we started a new series last week, we're going to continue this conversation moving forward. We're talking about the intentional couple and we are breaking down the seven habits of an intentional couple. And this is through our research and through our interaction with other couples and and people who have a really healthy, thriving marriage, not just healthy on the outside, but through and through. And last week, we opened up that conversation talking about having a vision for your marriage and that the first habit of an intentional couple is the fact that their marriage is built on a common mission, that they've let go of the world's idea of success, of this myth of the pursuit of happiness, and they've tapped into what it means to truly live a significant life. And so today we're continuing on talking about the second habit of an intentional couple. But before we do that, we want to, as always, encourage you to visit our website, moremostforever.com, where you'll stay up to date on all of our latest marriage resources and events and all of that good stuff, including our social media on Instagram and Facebook at More Most Forever. You want to make sure you're following us because you'll be the first to find out when registration opens for our first annual marriage getaway. Are you excited yeah, about that, Victoria? We've been working really hard to get you guys the best experience. And so we're excited to announce all the details coming soon, but be sure you're subscribed to our email list. So you're the first one to hear when those dates are announced because the seating is going to be limited. So you want to make sure you secure that spot for both you and your spouse. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking a hundred couples and we're going to do a little getaway. It's going to be two days. So we want you to mark your calendars now for September 1st and 2nd of this year. So we're about 70 days away, right? Mm -hmm. We know that it's going to be a powerful time and it's going to be an upscale getaway and we're doing our best to make sure it's affordable, but there's going to be some great experiences. It's not just going to be workshops and sessions, which are going to be dynamic. They're going to be amazing. You're going to get so many tools. You're going to have workbooks and all of that wonderful stuff. You're going to do some interactive work with your spouse. But there's going to be some romantic parts about it too. The venue that we are solidifying is a romantic European vibe. It's next to water, but yet it's here locally in the upstate. You're not going to want to miss when we announce it because I know those 100 spots are going to fill up fast. And, you know, I found it very refreshing for us when we take the time to get away for like a day or two, like just in the midst of being so it being so chaotic and busy. And I know we all have work. We all have kids and things that we have to do. But I think setting aside for your marriage is so important. And you'll really see a big difference just coming out of it, being refreshed physically, but also having that sparkly ignited in your marriage as well. That's right. Well, we're going to be announcing details about that. But again, stay attuned to moremostforever.com. As always, we want to, to challenge you to become a partner financially, of course, through prayer. But go there to that website and sign up to become a monthly giver someone who is helping us to underwrite this vision so that we can reach more couples, so that we can empower them to fulfill their God-given purpose, so that they can grow spiritually and build a healthy, thriving marriage, and then pass on those values to the next generation. So make sure to become a, a partner. Let's jump into this conversation. Today is pretty interesting because I think that 
this characteristic of an intentional couple that we're going to be talking about today is one that most couples don't even think about talking about going into marriage. And -hmm. I think it's probably the source of a lot of their problems once they get into marriage and realize that the person that they were dating has a different set of habits habits. yeah yeah Yeah. when they get home behind closed doors Mm -hmm. you know it's the thing that you discover that your spouse has morning breath or you discover that your spouse has smelly laundry or you know or they just have a different routine when it comes to cleaning up after themselves or cooking or prepping just a lot of those things may not seem like a big deal and I think especially at the beginning of a marriage I think a lot of times we hold our tongue because we feel like it's not worth it. But once we start getting busy and, you know, maybe our our seasons change where we both start working and we feel the load is not really equal. And that's why people say we're not equally yoked. (laughs) And then kids come along and that pressure can kind of even press even harder. And then all of it comes to the surface. And now you're having these massive arguments about what they're not doing. And so I think that that's where it ends up. Because we fantasize about what married life is going to be like. And then uh, because of our infatuation with that person, it normally takes uh, about two years, maybe even less than that, but about two years for the newness to wear off and for you to start expressing your irritations about those little idiosyncrasies that your spouse has. I know, fancy word. (laughs) I hope I used that right, but basically they're little quirks and ticks and little bad habits, or maybe it's not necessarily bad. It's just that you do things differently. It bothers you. So what are we talking about? The number two habit of an intentional couple is that they communicate their needs and allocate household responsibilities. I think this is a big one. I think it's a real big one. And you know why? Because we are living in an age where gender roles are kind of tossed into a basket and mixed up. Mm -hmm. Like back a hundred years ago, that recent in history, it was a lot easier to define what the role of the woman would be and what the role of a man would be simply because of needs for survival. It was a far more barbaric time. And the further you go back in history, the rougher it is, it was for people to survive the basic elements to be able to feed themselves and their family and create shelter. A lot of the things that couples argue about and just people in general, it's what they call now first world problems, Mm -hmm. right? Unloading the dishwasher and, and how a person puts in a plate, whether they put it, you know, whether you rinse the plate before you put it in or you don't that, you know, or however you align the forks and the spoons. It's like people in the 1500s would be like, what are you even talking about? Yeah. You have dishes. Let's move on. Right? We're, we're alive today. <laughs> yeah, but it's these little things that that are irritants, and they build up over time because couples don't communicate what their gender role expectations are in the relationship, and then you find yourself with a very traditional man who wants a woman to be a housewife and take care of the kids and the dishes and cook and clean and laundry and all of this. Maybe his mother did that for him. And then you have a woman who is also working. And I don't think that we've had the necessary conversations now that so many women are highly educated and in the workforce and working full time as to how to balance these household responsibilities among the two. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Now, granted, there's certainly benefits to having a more traditional relationship. And I want to shout out to all the stay-at-home moms. Certainly, my wife is an entrepreneur, but in as much, she is also a stay-at-home mom. And she does carry about 70% or more of the household duties, you know? Say 75%. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you 80%. How about that? Okay, great. And And that's because I do tend to work more and but there are seasons when that balance like you know when I was working full time and not on our own certainly I was the one bringing in the check every single week and so it was more easily definable but then when we branched out on our own we had to sort of renegotiate what those responsibilities looked like and we are not alone I think every season dictates you know what those responsibilities are going to be and changing those expectations and stepping up to the plate and making sure that you come in not with some, what's the word I'm looking for? Male chauvinist attitude men, mm-hmm. right? We understand. We've talked about it before. Men are the head of the household. But you don't have to slam your fist on the table and demand that respect. If you're submitted to God and you're leading, right? This is, this is what our pastor was talking about on Sunday. It was our Father's Day message, and he just illustrated men grasping and, you know, banging their fist and demanding respect. Well, if you're submitted to God and you lead as a servant, and just as Jesus did, you're going to be easy to submit to. So we got to drop our pride. We got to drop our preconceived notions. And if you're already married, you're not single. Some of you listening to this may be single, and this is good for you. But if you're already married, you're going to have to start reverse engineering the relationship and find a happy medium where both of you feel like you're equally carrying the load and and, and one person doesn't feel overwhelmed over the other. Yeah, and you have to get to a place where you are able to have conversations in the mature way. You know, we've had previous episodes about making sure, you know, you're postured correctly towards your spouse where you don't wait for this to build up to a place where now it's a screaming match because now you're not listening to each other, but you're just spewing out your grievances instead of sitting down like adults and saying, hey, this is a season. I'm having a very hard time and I need help in this. What can you do and how can I adjust you know, my schedule, my timing, my work or whatever to help us in this season? Because it's, it's tough and I'm struggling mentally and I'm struggling physically and I'm struggling emotionally and I just feel like I just want to run off and not do anything. So making sure that you're approaching those conversations in a mature manner and not waiting for them to like build up to this big ball that's getting ready to explode and making sure that you're being vocal about what it is that you need and not assume that because you're struggling over here that your spouse is going to see it. Sometimes your spouse is as busy as you are and they may not see it as well. Right. You don't know what load they're carrying at work. Yeah. I know for us, it was the same thing in one season. We've had to, because I'm a stay-at-home mom and Ryan worked constantly, I think that there was times when we had to talk about what it is that we do, you know, and the load that we carry and how we can support one another because we were so separate but yet felt alone in our places that it just kind of overwhelmed us. And especially when we approached each other and said, hey, I don't feel supported in here. And, you know, you may have expressed and said, well, I don't feel supported here and I feel alone and you don't see that that I'm doing this, that it just it gives you a lot of clarity, even just sitting down 
saying, wow, I didn't know my spouse was going through this, like physically, mentally, or emotionally. I didn't know. Like this, the conversation will actually just, I think, ease that person and at least lead you guys to a place where you can create a strategy that's going to work for you in this season and in this time. Yeah. And I think going into the conversation with your posture, correct, like Victoria is saying, is important. And then also going in with your cards on the table and choosing which things that you feel are worth fighting for. Important, yeah. What is important to you. Like if you are holding down the fort and you are doing all of the household duties and you're wanting your spouse's health, you've got to allow them to do that task the way that they would do it and not be so picky about whether or not they do it the way you want them to do it. You know, because... It, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, as they say here in the South. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know that's not a, a, a necessarily a good phrase, but there's Let's there's not kill any cats, people. <laughs> there's more than one way to approach a situation. There's more than one way to load the dishwasher, and you can fight all day long about whose is the the right way. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter as long as it's getting done. I, I hear you, but I'm going to step back. <laughs> I also would have to rebuttal that because sometimes we can begrudgingly do certain things where it doesn't come across as like you actually are intentional. Like sometimes people do things because they either want that person to be quiet and not ask them to do anything else because you don't do a good job. But just like do your best is what I'm saying. Like don't just approach whatever this person asks you to do in a sloppy manner so that they are like, you know what? Forget it. I don't even know why I asked you. Right. I understand. I think there's grace on both sides. I understand doing the task and doing it well. That's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is making sure that you're, you're not petty about the way that your spouse is doing things. You know what I mean? If at the end of the day, the dishes are washed, they're dried, they're put up, they're in the cabinet. And you're not opening up the cabinet, pulling out a plate and scraping off little, you know, food particles that were not cleaned well, then just let it be. I think people get too in their head and also understanding that if you've got a a list of grievances a mile long, one person can only digest so much criticism. Mm -hmm. And so you have to choose your battles and, and when you engage those battles and say, let's start somewhere right now. They're doing nothing. So if I could get them to start taking out the trash, then that's yeah. a victory. Yeah, for And then sure. celebrate that win, right? And and build your spouse up. Speak their love language and let them know thank you in the way that they would receive thank you. Yeah, that's true. So what is the scripture to back this up? You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12, it says very plainly, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And this speaks to the power of multiplication, right? We're able to lift more weight together than we would be individually. Let's just say Victoria can lift 100 pounds, I can lift 100, but together we can lift 250. It's it's the law of leverage. When, when you're able to leverage the collective strength, then you're able to do more. You're accomplishing more in less time. 
And it takes intentionality, sitting down, having the conversations, listing out all of the household responsibilities and claiming them one by one. Now, granted, we are speaking in uh, about a situation where both both of the couples work, both Mm -hmm. spouses work. So they're both full time. They both hold down the fort in certain ways. List out all of those responsibilities and share them. Now, if you have a more traditional relationship, I think one of the things that needs to be talked about is the fact that most of the time, one of the spouse gets to clock out and they come home and they decompress. Well, what about the wife or the spouse who is at home taking care of the kids, doing the laundry, doing the food, all of those little things around the houses that build up? Like, when do they get to clock out? That's an important thing to note. Like, if if you are the one bringing home the bacon, so to speak, right? You're the primary breadwinner and you come home and you make sure that you have time to decompress. You have to consider giving your spouse space to do the same. Whether that's when you get home an hour into you being there, you saying, you know, I get home at five, at six o'clock every single day. I got the kids. I got the rest of it. You go to the gym or you take a walk, or you go have some alone time in the bedroom and do your devotionals or whatever the case may be. Or you could say, you know what? I've got breakfast. Since you're going to be home all day with them, sleep in, I've got breakfast, and then I'll go off to work. When you wake up, the kids have already eaten and you can take care of yourself. These little considerations go a long way. And I think the more that you go into it as a I versus them conversation, the more you're going to be pushed into your individual corners and you're in defense mode instead of being proactive in the relationship with care and concern. I know that people have lazy streaks. I know that there are situations where the man is bringing home all the money and he's expected a traditional housewife and she's sitting home spending all the money. She's on, she's on target.com and amazon.com. Well, hopefully not as much with Target right now, but that's another conversation. But she's online shopping and she's doing all this and that. Maybe it's pre-children and he comes home and he expects a meal and it's not there. Mm-hmm. Have, has he considered whether or not she has these domestic skills? Is this what she wants long term? And if this is his expectation and she doesn't have those domestic skills, how can she acquire those skills? Can she mentor under someone? Can she take a class? Can she start watching YouTube? These conversations have to be had. On the other end of the spectrum, there are many men who expect their wife who works full time to also hold down the fort and make all of the meals and cook all the dishes and clean all the laundry. So we have to find a reasonable solution for you as a couple. The solution that's going to work for you is is not the same one that's going to work for us. You know, and we can say that the expectations that we had at the beginning of a relationship is no longer the same ones or are base, you're basically disappointed when the season hits. And that's the thing that we are always teaching is that once you arrive into a next season of your life and you see something shift, somebody else got a job, a promotion, children, grief, loss, whatever it is, you have to approach it and sit down at the table, as we've talked before, your altar and renegotiate and allocate the responsibilities in the proper manner. Otherwise, there's going to be false expectations that you assume that your spouse is going to take because they see, you know, you going through certain things. 
you have to verbally communicate what it is that you're feeling, what it is that you're going through, and do so in an effective way where you guys can create a strategy that's going to work for you. And that's not to say that the beginning of your relationship, everything is now a lie. I think it just changed because hopefully we as individuals are continuing to grow, continuing to evolve. And that means that we have to approach, you know, each other in a way where we see each other as growing individuals and they're no longer the ones that are in their 20s. They're in their 30s and they're maybe dealing with certain other things. So just having the right expectations and making sure you approach approach each each season with a conversation at the table, which is your altar. That means being intentional about recognizing when your season has shifted. Yeah. Now, there are times when you can anticipate a seasonal shift. For instance, a baby you, or a baby, yeah. right? You're you're eight and a half months pregnant. At this point, you should be having these conversations about what life is going to look like for the first six months of that child life over the next year. What are what are the things that are going to have to be shifted around in the household to be able to accommodate the attention that this newborn needs? Uh, another seasonal shift that you can anticipate is going to school. You've enrolled in school. You know you have to do it to advance your career. And you've had this conversation with your spouse. School starts in August. Here it is June. You need to have the conversation of what it looks like now that you're going to be going to work. And then you're going to be going to night school three days a week. And I also have to say that any major decision has to be done with your spouse. There's yes. so many couples that make decisions on the fly. You know, they say yes to people and make commitments that they have not consulted their spouse with. And if you sign up for something, you've signed up your spouse with it. So you have mm -hmm. to make sure and be considerate. And this is why Ryan was saying that whenever you're going through life, just being considerate and making sure that you operate as one unit and say, let me ask my wife. It's not like a cop out, but saying, do we have something else on the schedule that I may not be aware of? Let's look at our calendar. Let's decide if this is going to be something that's taxing on our family. Or it's going to add to our family. It's going to help us grow, you know, so. And it comes down to rhythms. Are you and your spouse in sync, right? How can you dance to the beat of two different drums? You have to in every season set the metronome of what is the expectations, how are we moving, where can we bend to adjust. Living before kids with your spouse is, is a different scenario than having kids, than having three kids, than having five kids, than having your kids go off, than having a career-intensive season, work-intensive, harvest season. All of those things, that, that represents your rhythms. Are your rhythms in sync? So Ephesians chapter 5, 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Most people say, you know, the scriptures, wives submit to your husband as unto the Lord, and that scripture is true. However, earlier in this passage in Ephesians chapter 5, 21, we also see that both of the spouses are called by God to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, considering the needs of your spouse. And so, a couple of things that you can do is you can write down your household responsibilities and initial by each one as to who's going to take care of it that week and understand when the beginning of that cycle is going to be and when the ending of that cycle is going to be. Or if you hate laundry and she hates vacuuming, then let her do the laundry and you do the vacuuming and find some happy medium. Another thing that's going to keep you connected in the process 
is making sure you're intentional about looking at the month ahead or the week ahead on your calendaring saying, what do we have going on as a family? What's going on at your work? What's going on with the kids' school, other activities? Laying it out clearly somewhere. We have this like transparent calendar that we can use with a dry erase marker. It's very easy for us to see. I use Google Calendar and put everything in there down to my personal appointments, professional, and then even family stuff to make sure that it's right in front of me because I'm on my computer a lot of the days. But then little things like going to bed together Mm -hmm. at least three to three to four times a week, making sure that no matter if you're a night owl and, and, and they're a morning person, that you're intentional about going to get, uh, bed at the same time, whether that's to talk or other things, creating space or for intimacy or, or, or other things. things. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're synchronizing your rhythms and that starts with synchronizing your sleep schedule to some degree. Yeah, and I think when we're dating, too, we don't think that it's going to be such a big deal. But I think once we get into life and it gets so busy, it becomes overwhelming of how it actually affects. Like Ryan is a night owl and I'm a morning person and we've had to kind of work to where maybe sometimes I'll stay a little bit later to be with him. And then, you know, he'll try to go to bed earlier, whether even if it's like him laying next to me just reading an article on his phone. So I actually pulled up psychologytoday.com and they asked 289 American adults who were married or living together and they asked them how they typically spent their nighttime routine and there was pretty much a majority of it was mismatched. Like they were both either, one was either night owl and one was a morning person and there was a lot of frustration amongst them. And what they noticed is that there was a lot of lack of intimacy, Mm. not just even sexually, but just being together in the same room, sometimes cuddling or just having the presence of that person there, that they've noticed that there was a lack of intimacy, but also it reflected also on their sexual intimacy as well. So, I mean, some of the greatest conversations Victoria and I have had have been at night laying in the bed. You know, they call it pillow talk and it doesn't always have to be a Even sexual Even if I'm drowsy. Thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, she'll typically hear me ask her the question, what do you have going on tomorrow? Yeah. I'm trying to get a rundown of what's your schedule like? What what kind of things are you trying to take care of with the kids? Where can I step in and help? If if there's freedom there, then I might say, hey, I need a little extra time here to make sure I go to the gym or make sure that I cover this project. And so that gives us an opportunity to communicate, whereas if she was already asleep by the time I went to bed, we wouldn't be able to have those conversations. And typically I'm a little bit OCD about making sure that we kiss before bed. Mm. And that kiss to me represents more than just a romantic gesture. It represents a synchronizing. We're on the same page. and We ended the day on a good we've note. Ended the day on a good yeah. note. We've had a conversation about what's ahead for the day ahead or the week ahead. And, and we're prepared for it. One of the things my mentor has become famous for is her book commanding your morning Mm -hmm. which is taken from the book of job and so many other passages and it's about the power of the spoken word and it's a book on prayer but in particular it's about the strategy of learning how to order your day before it gets here and so most people think this book is about commanding your morning waking up in the morning doing these declarations when in fact the strategy is to approach it the night before and when you go into your sleep cycle in prayer, then you'll wake up walking in 
in in step with the plan of God for your life. Most people don't realize this, but in the Jewish culture, the morning begins in the evening Mm -hmm. or the new day begins in the evening rather, because the Bible says that when God created each day, he says, and the evening and the morning were the first day and the evening and the morning were the second day. So your new day technically starts when the sun sets. And so if you could take on that biblical mindset that once the sun goes down and you're getting ready for bed and you're winding down, that technically your new day has begun. I always think of that scripture that says, don't let your wrath go down or the sun go down down your wrath. wrath. Yes. Maybe it's the Lord is also saying, you know, don't go to sleep, not necessarily going to sleep angry, but it's about don't drag it into Into another day. day. Absolutely. That's powerful. And there's a whole sermon that I could preach on, you know, doing your work from a place of rest and how your day starts in rest and sleeping instead of your day starting with work. And that mindset, especially in our culture, is important. But as it relates to this topic in your marriage, being able to, whenever you go to bed, you've got a fresh start. Let's talk about what's in our day ahead and let's start from a place of rest and not performance. Mm -hmm. I, I know there's a lot there. But the other thing that that pairs in with that is the need to set boundaries around your screen time. Yeah. Some of you might need to plug up your phone away from the bed and not keep it next to your head and and you know I mean I've had to do that cuz I started having tinnitus so I was like I need to do something different. Get all of these, you know, electromagnetic fields away from my body at least while I'm sleeping. And there's scientific, you know, reasons to do that, health reasons. But I think just mentally being able to escape and daydream or go into that REM sleep without constantly having that blue light or whatever they call it, you know, bouncing, especially if you're a person who has not controlled your notifications. But all of the phones now have settings where you can go in and put restrictions on app to say, I'm only going to allow myself an hour of social media or this amount of time on this other kind of app that I'm setting parameters so that I'm not controlled by the technology, but I'm controlling the technology. I've actually had to do it myself recently, and it's actually helped my productivity during the day as well. And just realizing this is how much time I'm spending on this device. We had a blog. You can go to moremostforever.com, and we we wrote a blog, a strategy on how you can do a marriage digital detox. Maybe you need to put your phone away for a few days. And maybe it's not even the phone. Maybe it's shows, TV shows that you're sitting and It could be, be easy for two hours to pass quickly and... You know, the night has passed and now you're sleepy and now you don't even want to have a conversation. If you don't get ahead of it, you're going to be swept up by it because it's all consuming. And that's the way that marketers and and the world has designed it to be. But that's important in your relationship is know when to put the phone down. And when you're talking, you know, instead of having your phone on the table face up, I've talked to people and they keep tapping that screen to check for notifications. It becomes obsessive. Turn the phone over face down so that you can focus on the person in front of you. These are all just practical tips. But we want to read, there was an article uh, that I came across that I thought was hilarious. And so I just want to read a little bit of it. And let's just comment some of of the comments of people who were in this Reddit thread, uh, me and Victoria were just reading and cracking up about it. And then some of them were pure sad. Yeah, It was just straight up sad. It says, when a woman on Reddit's husband complained about the condition their home was in, 
Rather than argue, she opted instead to get revenge. Her response has many women with similar frustrations cheering her on, of course, but it also reveals how little understanding all too many men have of just how much work goes into keeping a home. The wife responded to her husband's complaint about housework by refusing to do any chores around the house. Let's look into what she she said. It says, my husband helps with laundry every Saturday and empties the dishwasher at best once a week, she writes. Her husband got mad that he had to clean his bathroom because he said his father never had to clean his. Last night, he got upset while he was drinking and decided to go clean his toilet and bathroom floor at like 10 at night. With the woe is me, I can't believe I had to do this attitude, she writes. I told him that just because he cleans his pee-filled bathroom once every three months, that doesn't make him Cinderella. (laughs) She says, I feel kind of childish, but him saying that he has to do everything around the house got me seeing red. I went to bed without washing the dishes or clearing the kitchen at all. This morning I woke up, got my breakfast, did not touch the dishes, got my coffee and sat in front of my computer, caught up on my shows and played my games. When I was done eating breakfast, I took my dishes in the kitchen, was feeling generous, and I just put them on the counter and left them there. I'm not going to do those dishes and I'm not cooking dinner. I'm just not going to, I'm just going to do what he does every single day, do whatever I feel like doing, and then either ask what's for dinner or just show up to dinner when it's time. Of course, there will be no dinner, but still. We have sat down and had conversations about this several times. I bet my father never had to clean the bathroom is the kind of response I usually get. Uh, th- this is all too common, right? Yeah. And, and this uh, Reddit thread talked about this couple frequently arguing about this and his responses being just like, you know, my father never had to do this. The men in my family never had to do this. And despite how quickly things devolved around their house when she went on a strike, dirty clothes and dishes piling up until the place stunk, the situation did did little to stop her husband from complaining about the housework, so much so that when she came home from work one night, she was greeted by him asking, are we eating dinner tonight? The title of this Reddit thread was, I'm currently living like my husband does. My husband does. And so she responded by turning the question back on him and telling him, well, I figured since you said you do everything around here, I could just chill and you'd take care of it like you always do. But still, he refused to relent, going on to announce that he ran the dishwasher since she couldn't be bothered to clean the kitchen. She hit back with the same response and said that while she hates being this petty, she doesn't know what else is to do to get through to him. Now, of course, as you can imagine, people lit up the comment section. And I actually went to the comment thread on the Yahoo article and it was telling as well. What do you think so far, Victoria? I mean, it seems to me like she's a working, she's not just a stay-at-home mom, she's also working as well. So it's right. it's sad for me to hear that a person or husband in this situation is not understanding what she's saying. And instead of hearing his wife and you know her grievance, he is saying, well, my dad never had to do it, so why do I have to do it? So that's that's a sad situation yes. because that, to me, doesn't seem like two mature adults. And I think it, it's frustrating, I think, for the wife because she has seemed to approach it with him and, uh, and asked him about it, and that's his response. So that can be very challenging for any couple to try to say, well, where do we start? And 
how can we work together in order to feel like we're both contributing to the overall household chores? And that has to be, you know, both of the people have to approach this in a mature manner. Right. I think oftentimes, though, we try to communicate without communicating. So we do it out of... It comes out of spite. Like, I understand the whole rationale behind a, a, a food strike or, a, you know, a cleaning strike or whatever to get your spouse's attention. But as we read in most of these comments, most husbands don't care. And I think part of the issue is obviously a man having a more traditional mindset and not realizing that the woman is working, et cetera, et cetera, which to me is plain ignorance, but you can't help how you were raised. But other things I think have to do with preferences, Mm -hmm. right? And how clean a person expects a house to be before the day ends. I find just in reading comments and my own experience that men care far less about how tidy and perfect the house is before they go to bed. I don't know if that is, you know, a make a gender brain theory thing. You know, women care more about those things. But I think it's because we as women are like just multitasking our day, but we're also multitasking our family affair. And so for me personally, I know, and I've talked to many women that said the same thing, you know, if I don't, I feel like I don't get certain things done before the day is over, it trickles into my next day. Yeah, and well, I hate feeling that way. And so. studies have shown that men are more able to compartmentalize their life and their experience. So a man could walk by a dish, a, a, a sink full of dirty dishes and go and sit down and watch a movie and relax, whereas and I think it's a woman hard, could yeah. be irritated by that. And I think it's hard for a woman to 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 feel like I just don't understand how a person could just pass by it and not, you know, address that. I think sometimes men, when they're focused on something, that's what they are focused on and they don't see anything else. And I think that we have to vocalize and say, hey, honey, can you help me out with the trash, you know, and can you do this on a weekly basis? Yeah. Be very specific with men and what it is that they you need Absolutely. them to do. Absolutely. Be, be very specific about what the task is and when it needs to be completed. Because most women don't realize it's like, honey, can you take out the trash? Yes. Here it is two hours later. He hasn't taken out the trash. Six hours later. Tra- you have no idea of what he mentally has put in his time roster as when he's going to take out that trash. You have to be very specific. Honey, can you take out that trash before dinner? Now or whatever, be specific. One of the commenters said a lot of household chores are invisible jobs, meaning you don't notice when they are done by someone else, but you sure notice when they aren't done or when you have to do them yourself. But I think this woman was more irritated over the fact that there was a, a sink full of dishes than her husband was. That's just my theory. It says, when I was first married, I did laundry and I only did what was in the hamper. My late husband asked why certain things were not washed, and I said, because they weren't in the hamper. I'm not searching for laundry. He said, well, my mother always went around and picked up things. I said, look around. Do you see your mother anywhere here? After that, the laundry was in the hamper. See, something worked. It didn't click for some reason beforehand, and his mom didn't really do him a service. By training him and picking up after him. And I think that's why it's important for us to raise our kids in the right way, too. Because you're not raising, if you're raising your kids to always clean up after themselves and not feel those tasks, you're not helping them. You're raising somebody else's future husband or wife. Yeah. That's the bottom line. 
But I just have to blink at this and just stare right into the camera because, men, we have to do better about the hamper. Now, Victoria can be my witness. This has never been my problem. I don't know why it is that we hear over and over again in counseling session after counseling session that this man drops his drawers in the bathroom about one foot away from the hamper and just leaves it there, towel on the floor. I don't understand how hard it is, men, for you to pick up that towel, fold it, and put it over the rack. I mean, put your underwear in the laundry basket. If she's doing the laundry, God bless her. She's cleaning your nasty drawers every day. The least you can do is make sure that she doesn't have to pick them up off the floor everywhere. Yeah. All right. That was my soapbox. Uh, (laughs) It says, uh, this commenter, Linda, she says, when we retired, my husband thought I would do all the housework. I handed him the vacuum cleaner, and his response was, I didn't work all my adult life to spend retirement like this, to which I responded, neither did I. I retired after he did. I made a list of all chores that needed to be done daily, weekly, monthly. I handed him the list and told him to pick one. Then I picked one. We did that until every chore was spoken for. He was furious at the amount of work that he would have to do, but he did it for a couple of weeks and then suggested that instead of going out to dinner or ordering ordering in so often, perhaps we could hire a cleaning lady to do some of the heavier chores. Life has improved immensely, but I still insist that he do his smaller chores, uh, smaller listed chores. Sometimes it's good to have it in writing. At least that's what my lawyer said. Now, that's very interesting. People don't consider that dynamic when you look at a traditional relationship, right? That woman has been a housewife her entire life. Her husband has worked outside of the home. He retires. When does she retire? Never. Yeah. And he's going to have to take on some of those responsibilities. Hey, and I've heard many people say that, listen, this was our saving grace to have a maid or somebody come or either do some babysitting for us or come in and do laundry three times a week. That has been so helpful and has removed a lot of arguments and a lot of issues in our marriage. So there if that's services, what you have to do, you got to do that. There so. are services where you can send out your laundry. Yeah. You know, if you live in kind of an apartment complex, there are uh, units that do that. Like you sit it outside your door. There are ways around it. If both of you are bringing in money, then you may have the disposable income to hire someone, you know, to come in once a week and do some of the heavy lifting. But you both have to be comfortable with it. A lot of people were saying how this couple is headed towards divorce, and I think that it's it's possible, right? If this gro- resentment grows and grows and grows, but these were some hilarious comments. One of the things, one of the commenters uh, talked about how you know her husband was this way, so she wanted to raise her son to think differently, and so she had her two sons trained up in this way, but they still turned out like her husband. And she said she went on a strike just like they did, and they they didn't care. They didn't care that the house was a pigsty, and she just realized that they had different standards. I think that that's what I was talking about earlier. Yeah, these are some funny things, but this is the the second habit of an intentional couple, and I want to challenge you couples out there to have this conversation this week. You know, sit with your spouse and say especially husbands. Let me just speak for the husbands. I want to challenge the husbands. Pull your wife aside and say, do you feel overwhelmed by the household duties? Is the allocation of what we're doing equal? 
Do you feel that? And see where you can pick up the slack and help each other out. As, as Ephesians say, you know, two are better than one. Leverage your collective strength to get the tasks done and consider one another. Stop being lazy. Becoming intentional with your marriage. You're never going to have the marriage that you desire as long as it's a me versus them mindset. And so yeah. any final words, Victoria? Yeah, marriage is a lot of work. You know, it's a lot of adulting. It's a lot of things that you have to push through even when you don't feel like doing it. But serving one another and asking each other, are you okay? Do you need me to help you with anything? Just even the thought of you asking and actually being genuine about that already is going to make your spouse feel like, okay, at least my spouse is paying attention and at least they're noticing that I'm doing all this work. I think all of us want to be acknowledged for the work that we're doing and yes. being the, contributing to the household. So being appreciative, being a, grateful for what it is that you guys are both bringing to the table by being vocal about it and then also being vocal about the needs that you may need filled in that specific season. It certainly is a balancing act, but yes. that's why we're here to help give you these strategies and so, as always, make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast and consider become a, becoming a partner. In fact, why don't you do it right now? Go to moremostforever.com and hit that donate button and support our ministry as we continue to empower couples and families. Anything else? Yeah, and I wanted to say one more thing. If you are struggling with those kind of menial things, but you feel like you can't get through to your spouse, we offer mediation. That's what we're here for. That's we our word for counseling. For counseling, yeah. So if you guys need a third person to come in between and help you guys strategize and create something that is going to work for both of you, we are here. So be sure to book a session with us and check out our calendar. We uh, would love to help you guys out as well. Moremostforever.com. Until next time, this has been Needed Conversations. See you next time. With Ryan and Victoria Cole. God bless. Mm-hmm.